Handle on the News. Handle on the News! What's one nice thing you can say about Bill Handle? He has kind of cool hair, I think. He has cool hair? And now, here's Bill Handle. All right, here we go. Another week, another day, another minute or two. Good morning, everybody. And uh, welcome on May 14th. And it's, uh, uh, there's going to be some some hot stuff going on in the Middle East today. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on. And so let me say a quick hello. There's uh, Jennifer Jones-Lee. Hello, Handel. Mo Kelly in, uh, what, the entire week? It depends. It's a day-to-day basis. Yeah, this is, it's a day-to-day basis because uh, we don't know if Wayne is going to survive or not. Uh, well, that's not true. He's on jury duty. And we don't know if he's going to survive, survive or not. That. Yes. So we'll talk about how great it's the case was. Yeah, no, I get it. You just every morning you call, and it depends on how quickly the case is. If it's a if it settles during the course of a trial, it's over. If a plea during a criminal trial, which usually doesn't happen, it is a plea normally happens beforehand. So um, we'll uh, find out when Wayne comes back. If not, we have Mo the whole week. And uh, there is uh, Alex. Good morning. And uh, the lovely John Ramirez. Morning. All right. So uh, what are you doing, Alex? Oh, putting stuff because I needed, uh, you know, for example, we're going to do a story on Venezuela uh, coming up. So uh, I need, you know, Alex has all our research. Uh, you know, when did Chavez get elected? When did he die? When did Maduro become president? Uh, you know, when was the Constitution changed in uh, Venezuela, which basically makes it a complete dictatorship and what's going on? So that's a story going on uh, later on. Also, uh, one of the biggest stories we're going to cover is the uh, Jerusalem embassy is opening up today. One day before the, uh, is it the 50th anniversary of, uh, yes, of the founding of the State of Israel? May 15th, 1948. And needless to say, there's, there are one or two protests on uh, the border, the Gaza-Israeli border, not so much the West Bank, although there are some. So uh, we've got a lot to cover today, as you can imagine. And uh, my voice is still, something's going on with my voice. I was super froggy this morning. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, all weekend long. Yeah. And, uh, I've got, um, there's a lot of phlegm going on. Oh. oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm coughing up a lot of phlegm. I just pretend it's Good oysters. Oh. And. Uh, no blood, though? No, 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 no. Blood. Okay, you're fine. Yeah. No nodules. Went to the uh, ENT guy. No polyps, no nodules, just uh, a little bit strained. You know, and I don't know why. I don't know why. Throat so cancer, I'm, maybe? Probably not, because he already checked. <laughs> no. No, that's nice. Uh, no, because I think you can normally see that. Uh, no, no, it's just a little inflamed, and uh, no one really knows why. So I'll probably go back to the ENT. Uh, yeah. We still have a number of uh, the ENT guy and the, uh, yeah. So I've got to call uh, Kaiser again. Okay. Fair enough. You guys ready to do it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Lead story. As uh, I open the show with this, and we'll be doing more at 7 o'clock, already the Gaza clashes, and we're talking, what, 55? Is that how many Palestinians have died during, before the demonstration, or during the demonstrations? Just this morning, 37. So there, there, that number could be from a total from over the weekend because there were a lot of protests there as or then as well. But I know as of just today, they've had 37 killed. Yep. And uh, it's, again, I'll talk more about this. What the Palestinians are doing are going up to the border and trying to breach the border. 
and the whole world is screaming at Israel and yelling and saying, how dare you do this, proportional violence or proportional response. Look at you're killing unarmed people. Uh, it would be wonderful for the world to deal with it if the Palestinians did breach the border. And then what? Well, they would, of course, just peaceably, peace, peaceably demonstrate, wouldn't they? They would surround the villages and just peaceably demonstrate. They wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't commit any violent acts, whatever. Israel has always said, you can go cram it. We don't like it. So uh, we have uh, the, um, the United States has agreed or has uh, recognized uh, uh, Jerusalem as the embassy or the capital of, uh, of Israel. And I think the rest of the world is pouring in. Guatemala and Honduras. And Guatemala and Honduras. We'll talk more about that coming up. And the ceremony has just started within the last, like, 10 minutes. Yep, 800 people. And I know a couple of people who are there, incidentally. Really? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, Bill, what does this do for the idea of a Palestinian state? Uh, Nothing. Doesn't change much of anything. Part of the Palestinian state is East Jerusalem. That's one of the sticking points. And it's just not going to happen. Israel's not going to give up East Jerusalem, although they could. The, The big one that's impossible to give up. Uh, physically impossible, is a law of return in which the Palestinians come back and simply take all the land and the houses that were either taken away, uh, which some were, or the Palestinians, or at that point the Israeli Arabs, just left voluntarily because they were they were told the Jews were going to kill all of them, rape their kids, you know, that sort of thing. So it's a combination of the two. And uh, that's not going to happen. Israelis aren't going to just hand over their houses and their villages. East Jerusalem could, and there was some talk during some of the negotiations, but uh, not with this government, because this government uh, effectively does say that Jerusalem is the eternal capital of uh, the Jewish people. That's it. Thank you. It's Jerusalem. Ain't you. It's us. No thanks. Go someplace else. I think that's the official line, by the way, of the uh, of the Israeli government this morning. Go someplace else? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, the president says thank you to North Korea after it announced it's going to hold a ceremony to dismantle some of its nuclear test sites. It's moving with Kim Jong-un uh, going and taking the lead. Now... Did he actually give anything up? Because his argument is, and he has said, we're already done with our testing. We have it. We have our ballistic missiles. We have our nuclear warheads. We can hit anybody in the United States, which I have, or any city, which I doubt. But his reason for giving it up, he's done. So, therefore, I'm going to give it up. I don't know. This supposedly is supposed to happen between May 23rd. Yep. And May 25th, which would be, you know, just ahead of when Kim Jong-un and the president are supposed to meet in Singapore on June 12th. Yeah. What do you think, Bo? Is this going to happen? You mean the actual summit? Oh, the summit, of course, is going to happen. I think it was like a crackhead giving up crack. It's like, okay, they don't want to use crack anymore. But most likely, they're they're going to. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for this. Uh, You're going to see. Kim Jong-un is making some big moves. However... 
are they uh, moves that are merely symbolic? Well, he's going to ask for something. Oh, he's going to ask for <laughs> plenty. Not just something, plenty. And, of course, we'll talk about that in the days ahead. We'll come right back and uh, take a break. And you're... KFI Handel here, and uh, good morning on a May 14th momentous day. Some of the big stories that we're going to be covering, of course, the Jerusalem Embassy. And I, I think uh, it, the ceremony is taking place as we speak. Uh, North Korea, of course, what's going on with North Korea. And don't move to Hawaii. Just don't do it. You know, it's Volcano City, okay? It's just fissures are opening up like crazy. All right. Uh, matter of fact, uh, as we continue on with Handle on the News, that's our next store. Oh, here's a chance to win $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. And don't forget, if you do win, you're going to get a call from a number that you don't recognize, but you got to pick it up or we move on to somebody who will. And your chance to win happens every hour, Monday through Friday, starting at 5 o'clock all the way till 7 o'clock at night. Okay, uh, let's continue on. More Handle on the News. Jennifer Jones-Lee, Mo in for Wayne Resnick and me. Speaking of Jennifer Jones, Lee, new crack from Hawaii volcano Ooh. is fueling lava near geothermal plant. Very strong. Yeah, it's uh, going crazy. And this thing may blow its top. That's going to make some news. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, the fissures are coming in, and you don't know where they are. I think one of them is, what, 26 miles or something from uh, the heart of the volcano, the actual volcano itself? And this this particular one that's near this geothermal plant, it's like less than a mile from the plant. But they do think that they got all of the flammable chemicals out of the plant. So they don't yep. think that if it does reach it, it's going to make that big of an impact because they think they got everything out. Yeah, here's a very depressing story. Yeah, uh, there was a party in Encino that turned deadly because of an unwanted guest who left and came back with a gun. And what makes this story particularly uncomfortable is Encino happens to be sort of an upscale white Jewish area. And this, and we're supposed to, it, people who are in Encino, we, uh, other people, of course, uh, like to read about this. Don't want it down the hill. Because a lot of Encino's in the hills. Yeah, uh, this is a tough one. It was a 28-year-old man. He was shot and killed at this house party in Encino, Somebody came up to Guillermo Hernandez, who his family says was standing outside waiting for an Uber. But this guy comes up to Hernandez and another man at the party, pulls out a gun after he apparently got in an argument with them, and then ended up killing the 28-year-old. They also found a 69-year-old at the party who had three gunshots to the leg and the torso, but he is he's in critical condition right now. And what are they doing partying at 4 a.m.? Still. Just... Who do, who does house parties anymore? Oh, like uh, this, I have really. Yeah, two in the last five years. Not until four in the morning. Right, no, right, we break. Right. You know, we break it up at nine. <laughs> All right, time for everybody to go home. Yeah, it's isn't that much fun. Well, I don't know about you, but I prefer a party which has a bounce house, except the bounce house which flies onto the highway. And there was a kid inside, but he emerged with just some scrapes. I'm a lucky guy. Lucky, lucky. 
nine-year-old boy was playing inside a bounce house in his front yard in Adelanto on Saturday when strong winds swept the inflated enclosure onto a nearby highway a few hundred feet away. Wasn't that thing supposed to be tied down or it anchored? It was. It was, but it was anchored with uh, stakes in the ground. And there was just a freak wind. And uh, stakes in the ground don't do it the way really heavy, you know, they say uh, gallons of water uh, or sandbags or rocks. We have one of these here uh, that holds up uh, a tripod. Oh, I thought you were talking big, about we had a bounce, a bounce house. house. Here. No, 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 no. <laughs> we do? Where no. did I miss it? We have a big sandbag here that weighs 25 pounds or something, or there was. Yeah, that's right there. Oh, is it's it? It's still there. Oh, yeah, there it is. Why is there a sandbag in there? Uh, to because, hold the door open. Uh, is oh. it to hold the door open? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. Well, there you are. And that's a heavy door, too. By the way, this bounce house hit a car on the freeway and it <laughs> bounced into the car. And the person in the car is okay, too. But they said, uh, yeah, they were a little shook up after a bounce house came flying across the road. A five-year-old girl was attacked and dragged by a black bear in Colorado. Now, this is right outside of her house, right? Yeah. She's Who the gone. hell lives near bears? Probably a lot of people in Colorado. Well, the same people who in California live close to mountain lions. Yeah. I mean, it's where they live. Well, this girl, she just goes outside her house because she th- hears something. But she's five, you know, and she's a little kid. She hears something. She thinks it's her dog. She goes outside. Turns out it's this black bear. And the black bear attacks her. The mom then hears the little girl screaming. And so the mom runs outside and the mom starts screaming. But it was her screams that actually scared the black bear away. And this little girl... No fractures. They say hundreds of stitches, but she's going to be okay. Wow. Just some soft tissue. What does that, what does that do uh, emotionally to you? How oh. much therapy do you need? There's not enough in the world. As you're dragged off by a bear. I got chased by a peacock when I was a kid. Oh, they're vicious. Oh, my God. I was like three. And you're never going, every time you see a peacock uh, now. I literally, to this day, 40 years later, I'm still nervous about peacocks. Are you scared to watch like NBC? <laughs> Maybe that's why. That's funny. That's funny. That's I have my good. moments. No, that's very good. That was excellent. Oh, here's and you know what? Let's take a break because okay. this one is this is mind-boggling. It really is. The level of stupid is just incredible sometimes, and we'll cover that when we come back. In the meantime, come with me now. Come with me now. Candle here on a Monday, May fourteenth. And before we get into more handle on the news, uh, asking we are asking you to help uh, the American Red Cross initiative to get prepared California. So we're asking for a $400 donation. And for that, you and a guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all the KFI hosts and crew. If you give a $500 donation, you don't have to go. Uh, we'll be at the OUE Sky, uh, what is that? Sky Space. I always have a hard time. It's a thousand foot building downtown. Unlimited Sky Slide rides and appetizers and cocktails. You have to be 21 years old. 100% of the proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross. Get prepared, California. Uh, limited tickets for details. Log on to KFIAM640.com and the search word is mixer. All right, back we go. More handle on the news. Jennifer Jones Lee, Mo Kelly in for Wayne, who's on jury duty, and me. Parents should ask their baby's permission before changing their dirty diapers. Anyone's a baby now. 
this is nuts. It's a uh, self-described sexuality expert, and it's a story. It's in England, uh, and uh, it's just so weird. Uh, so what happens if the kid says no? Have the kid even verbalize no? No. Well, it's the, the point is that uh, you pretend to ask permission. As you're taking the diaper can off. I take your, 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 your exactly. Diaper. Can I take your diaper off? And then you wait a minute. And then you go ahead and do it. Uh, and you change the diaper. This is uh, stupid beyond stupid. So I'm assuming you put this in only because it's stupid beyond stupid. Yeah. No, I knew it would start a conversation, which is always fun in the morning. Uh, stupid beyond stupid. You're right. Yeah. All right. How about this one? A sex offender has gotten 20 years in prison because he coerced both young girls and boys to send him nude photos. You know, the problem is there are so many of these that you wonder why this one made news and the other one doesn't. Uh, And again, it's just what goes viral and what doesn't. It was, uh, there is, uh, there was a gal who worked here, uh, Kristen, who just everybody loved. Her husband is an FBI agent, and he moved back to Washington, D.C. to head the task force, the national task force that dealt with child molesters and these kinds of people. And he said, all they have to do is go on the internet. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. That's That's all. Just put the line out and hundreds respond. And that's exactly what this guy did. He went online He's a man. He posed as a young girl named Amy. And then he would, I mean, in some cases he was, you know, saying, like showing a picture of the house to the kids saying, you know, I know where you live kind of thing. Send me pictures. Um, but I think I think one reason why this one's getting news is because he preyed on both young girls and young boys. He didn't care. Just yeah, gross. 20 years. And he's not going to do so well in prison either. Nope. Okay, I got a question. 20 years for that. But 15 years for this Texas woman who ran over her cheating husband. That's not okay in Texas. Yeah, why not? I remember this story. Oh, I remember this story. It was uh, she, her husband, I think she caught him. She'd hire a private investigator to follow her husband. Uh, she suspected he was having an affair with an employee. She confronts him and the lover in the, uh, in the lobby of a hotel, uh, Hilton, and the fight goes off to the parking lot, and then she gets in the car and starts running him over and then backs up and runs him over again. I remember this. And then backs up and runs him over again. And it's all caught on video, yeah, right? Yeah, And, uh, you know, she was a dentist, and he was an orthodontist. And so she's now out 15 years, granted parole, sentenced to 20 years in prison. So... I wonder if she went for the teeth. Oh, that's a very good oh. point, and I don't know. But it's, mm, what a story that one was. Yeah, I remember that one. Oh, okay. Well, this one, really, this is the complaint. A woman was kicked off a United flight after a man complained she was pungent. Yeah, she'd been flying for, what, 20 hours or 24 hours, and most of us would be pungent. After sitting on an airplane for 20-something hours. Uh, but uh, she uh, was nailed. Uh, and uh, for this complaint, there was a complaint, and they threw her off the airplane. And she's an African-American woman, and the guy who complained was a white guy. And she now has a racial discrimination lawsuit against United. Oh, yeah, and it's going to work. 
is it going to work? Because there are all kinds of circumstances. We'll talk more about this. And at 930, uh, we're going to talk about this subject uh, of white people complaining about black people, in many cases, just being there and suspicious. You're simply suspicious or white people are simply suspicious of a black person. And uh, Mo's going to jump in on that. And Mo and I had a conversation, what, three years ago? Yeah, about Four years, years ago, ago uh, which was just a, I'll never forget the conversation Mo and I had, ever. And I'll share that with you uh, coming up at uh, 9.30. Anyway, she's going to win because they threw her off the airplane. Sure. Literally, just tossed her. And she uh, she was in her seat. Someone took her seat. This white guy took her seat. And he, she asked him to move, and the flight attendant said, well, you move instead to this woman. And then a confrontation where, uh, according to this story, according to the Washington Post, she did nothing wrong. And uh, she's the one that gets thrown off. And the they airplane. didn't just kick her off. They kicked her kids off, too. So yeah. I'm sure that they can say emotional distress on. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be. No, no, it's going to be a good lawsuit. They'll settle this one. Oh, United's going to settle this one. All right. Uh, let's take a break. And uh, do a prison story when we come back. KFI AM 640. KFI handle here. It is a Monday morning, May 14th. And as we speak, uh, the ceremony of uh, the opening of the embassy in Jerusalem is going on right now. Jared Kushner is speaking. He's delivering uh, the the remarks at the U.S. embassy opening. And 800 people are there. I happen to know a couple of them who were invited. And, uh, you know, super Jews. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's who goes. Very few Palestinians are going there. They're super Jews? They're super Jews, yeah. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. All right, uh, more handle on the news. Jennifer Jones-Lee, Mo Kelly in for Wayne and me. Let's go to prison. (laughs) The U.S. has rolled back protections for transgender prison inmates. Well, the Trump administration is consistent, let me tell you. The Trump administration has rolled back the protections for transgender prison inmates, which were introduced under, wait for it, President Barack Obama. We're talking days before he left office. Yes. And uh, this has to do with the biological sex will now be used to make an initial decision where the transgender folks are housed as opposed to their declared gender. And so there some LBGQ people are a little upset about. You forgot about the T, which is most important here. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Details matter. It's the LGBTQ community that's a little upset by whoever thought, hey, this is a great idea. Yeah. If you're LGBTQ and you're in this particular school district in Oregon, we're going to punish you for being that way. And our punishment is going to be you need to read the Bible. You need Jesus. Because hell. hell Yeah, this is a public school district. Uh, This is a problem. Uh, It's. uh, it's a problem in that, you can you imagine a public school system in Oregon? This isn't the Deep South. This is Oregon. Well, wait. Oregon can is, be pretty is, conservative. It's diet south, yes. Oh, parts of it. Certainly not Portland. Not Portland. Okay, but, yeah, you know. we keep on forgetting 
the that uh, Washington State. When you go into the Yakima Valley, that's about as conservative as you can get. The eastern part of Washington, yeah. too. And and the refuge uh, takeover. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. So anyway, uh, you've got a teacher that decided that uh, gay students will read the Bible as punishment for being gay. And the teacher compared gay marriage to marrying a dog. One student said she was hit in the hand with a skateboard by another student who made homophobic comments. Student says she was required by the superintendent to read a passage from the Bible as punishment. Now, when they, it's not actually comparing uh, homosexuality or gay marriage as uh, at marrying a dog. It's just where does it cross the line? Can you then marry a dog? Can you then marry a kangaroo? Can you then marry? I mean, that's the argument. And uh, it's a slippery slope. And what drives me crazy is the answer is always because there's a reasonable reasonableness attached. I mean, we draw lines in this country. For example, are the speed limit is 65. And if you go 66, you've crossed the line. If you can get married, you're okay if you're gay. If you want to marry a kangaroo, you can't. I mean, that's it. You know, why can't we draw lines here? It's always slippery slope business, which drives me nuts. Anyway, there's a complaint, and I hope this teacher just gets nailed. Yeah. And I mean nailed. Why don't we just keep it going with this whole theme? In a one-two punch, Oklahoma governor angers LGBTQ and gun rights activists. Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon managed to piss off both both gun rights and LBTQ rights activists with two separate actions. In one, uh, she vetoed a bill that would have loosened gun laws in Oklahoma. Had it passed, SB 1212 would have allowed gun owners to carry a firearm, either open or concealed, loaded or unloaded, without a state license or permit. Just everybody can carry a gun. That's it. Enjoy yourself. And she said no. Yeah, she said no to that. That was the first move. The second move, she signed into law the so-called adoption bill, which allows private child placement agencies to deny the placement of a child in foster care or adoption if that placement would violate the agency's written religious or moral convictions or policies. What do you do with Catholic adoption agencies where there is a legitimate, I mean, I don't think it's plausible or it's plausible where I don't think it can be defended but if you look at Catholic Catholic doctrine, they're not into gay people doing much of anything uh, ever. Yeah, pretty much ever. And so what do you do with that? And it's a private agency and it's a religious agency. I don't know the Slippery answer. slope. It's true. I don't know the answer to that. Because they're a private agency, though, does that give them license to then do whatever they... Not license, but they have, a more, they have an argument. Public agencies can't. I mean, you know, the county adoption agencies can't touch that. Of course, they can't discriminate against gay people. But can a private religious uh, adoption agency, can there be discrimination? I mean, and, kind of a Hobby Lobby kind of thing? Yeah. Well, the Supreme Court said uh, Hobby Lobby doesn't have to sell, uh, you know, those little gl- flakes of glitter to gay people. No glitter for you, you queer. This was the Bill Handel show. Yes. Uh, let's do one more, okay? Right. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, let's skip to 15. Okay. Because I think this one's super important. If you went to Chili's uh, b- uh, between, let's see, March and April, there's a chance that you got your identity stolen, and that's because you don't have LifeLock. 
Chili's is back, baby, back, baby, back. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby, Chili's is back, baby, back, baby, back. Chili's and you'll be ordering Chili's even if you don't know you're ordering <laughs> Chili's because they've hacked into Chili's, the hackers. Here's what drives me nuts. So Chili's is saying, hey, if you visited one of our locations between March and April, there's a chance your numbers got stolen, your credit card numbers, and your name. But they're not saying which locations. So is it all Chili's locations? Is it just the Chili's in California? I don't know. So you don't know if you were one of the people who's at risk. Yeah, and I and unfortunately, I ate at Chili's a couple of weeks ago. Oh. They have a very nice burger. And it was uh, now, and I used my credit card. So you could be one of the people. Yeah, they have those uh, little kiosk things, those little machines right on the table where you pay. And uh, it's basically credit card. Oh, my goodness, another slippery slope. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was tough. Oh, and then they give you, you know what restaurants are doing now and Chili's does this, is they give you the tip information, right, to make it easier Most for you. Most places do that. Yeah, and unfortunately, Chili starts at 40% tip. <laughs> they just keep on jacking it up and jacking it up. All right, we're done. Uh, coming up, the uh, Jerusalem Embassy is opening uh, right now. Matter of fact, uh, Bibi Netanyahu, or Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, is addressing the crowd as we speak at the new embassy. But uh, it's more of a symbolic issue than anything else, because it's still the consulate. But we'll talk a little bit about the uh, politics of this when we come back. KFI AM 640. It is a Monday, May 14th. Some of the big stories that we're covering, uh, North Korea, negotiations continue. Also, uh, the uh, Hawaiian, uh, the big island volcano continues on. Uh, Three new fissures have opened up. All right. As we speak this moment, Benjamin Netanyahu, who is uh, the Prime Minister of Israel, is speaking before a crowd of 800 people in front of the new uh, American embassy in Jerusalem. Jared Kushner had uh, spoken, uh, given remarks on behalf of the United States. And, uh, of course, uh, the crowd is uh, going nuts. These are invited people from all over the world, uh, members of Congress, uh, certainly uh, Jared Kushner and his wife, you have uh, some big, big players uh, in terms of uh, Israel. Sheldon Adelson uh, is uh, there. Uh, and it's just people who have supported Israel. Some Congress people who have uh, been fanatic supporters of Israel. And uh, this is hugely controversial. You'd, you would think that it wouldn't be. You would think that a country simply has a right to declare uh, whatever capital it wants. But... This is Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is probably the most complicated city in the world. Not only is it a uh, geographical place, it is certainly a political place in that it is uh, the capital of a sovereign country, as declared uh, literally the moment Israel declared its independence, which is, well, tomorrow, 50 years, and... It is also a hugely religious place. It is one of the holiest places in Christianity, uh, in Islam, and uh, in Judaism. As far as Christianity and uh, uh, the uh, 
Judaism, it is the most, it is the holiest place on the planet. As far as Islam is concerned, it's the third holiest place on the planet. And so it has so many political connotations. Now, keep in mind, while this is going on, you've got tens of thousands of Palestinians that are at the border, particularly Gaza, between Gaza and uh, Israel, that are demonstrating and trying to breach the border. And uh, it's not going well because as of right now, I don't know, 50, 60 Palestinians have already been killed, thousands wounded. And it is no joke to Israel. They made it real clear. You breach the border, you're going to die. And the political significance to the Palestinian people is tomorrow also marks uh, what they consider the catastrophe That is, the creation of the state of Israel is the worst day in the history of the Palestinian people Uh, for a bunch of reasons. For the people that simply don't believe in the existence of Israel at all, there's a group of those, and then for probably the majority of Palestinians, not so much Gazians or Gazonians, whatever the hell they call them, I don't know, you know. Gaza Nuestras, I don't know. Uh, But not only for uh, those people who consider uh, Israel shouldn't exist, but the people on the West Bank are more moderate. They're okay with Israel existing with certain conditions. One of them being that Jerusalem should be the capital of Palestine, East Jerusalem. So effectively, Jerusalem would be a double capital. West Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. East Jerusalem, the capital of Palestine. And during the war, 1948, when Israel declared its independence, of course, it had to go to uh, it had to go to a war because all the Arab countries that day attacked Israel, and Israel won to the surprise of the entire world because they were on their own. The British backed the Arabs, left them all of the arms. Here, enjoy yourself. So Israel won this war of independence. And Jerusalem was split right down the middle. West Jerusalem became Israeli. East Jerusalem became Palestinian. And it was in 1967, during the Six-Day War, that Israel was able to take East Jerusalem. And since then, have set up Hundreds of thousands of people living in East Jerusalem in various settlements. So why is it the day of catastrophe for so many Palestinians? Well, as I said, for some, it is simply the creation of the state of Israel. For others, it was the fact they lost their land for two different reasons. One, some were kicked out and some left voluntarily because of the propaganda that the Israelis were going to come in and rape everybody and do that the stuff that uh, uh, nations do whenever they attack and occupy. So it's a combination of the two. Well, part of the negotiations that have never gone anyplace is, number one, the uh, capital business, which I think can be straightened out. I think so. But uh, the law of return, which the Palestinians want, They want to go back and take all of the housing and the land that belonged to them prior to the war of 1948. That ain't going to happen. 
There isn't an Israeli that's going to give up his house, his or her house. There isn't an Israeli farmer that's going to go, here you go, have your land back. That's simply not going to happen. So what you have is uh, you have a stalemate that's probably never going to go away. And there is violence. And the Israelis are much stronger militarily. Of course they are. And you're going to see many more Palestinians die. And to many people in Gaza, it doesn't matter anymore because they have, they have nothing. They grew up in Gaza. They don't have jobs, especially young men. There's just nothing there. They can't work. They can't go to school. Electricity is four hours a day. Water is limited. There are, there are no, there's no future. So why not? They might as well become martyrs. And the problem is, and now I'm going to make a political judgment because you know what side of the coin I'm on. And the political judgment is for Hamas, which controls Gaza, it is more important to destroy Israel than it is to feed its own people. It's that simple. That's it. So the embassy has opened up, which the entire world does not recognize. The whole world does not recognize Israel's right to declare its own capital. Tel Aviv, that's where all the embassies are. Tel Aviv is the capital. It doesn't matter what Israel says. It's the only, it's the only circumstance in the world where this happens. So anyway, and I'm watching the demonstrations now uh, on the video, and they're marching up tear gas, uh, and the Israelis are using rubber bullets, non-lethal uh, and they're also using live ammunition. We'll see how far this one goes today. Well, I, I just we'll keep track of it all morning long and see what happens. All right, we're going to come back uh, talk about DACA recipients. We're going to get closer to home. Uh, too afraid to renew their status. I'll explain that and your chance to win. All right, KFI handle here. And uh, here's your chance to win $1,000. Let's start with that. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. And if you are the winner, you're going to get a call from a number that you don't recognize, but you got to pick it up in order to win. And your chance to win happens every hour, Monday through Friday, starting at 5 o'clock with Wake Up Call, all the way through 7 o'clock at night with Conway. All right, uh, back we go. Now, uh, something's going on with uh, the folks who are involved with DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program. And this was set up by President uh, Obama that effectively said there's about 800,000 people who are eligible for DACA. And it said if you arrived in the United States as a toddler or even a teenager uh, at uh, a certain point, uh, then I forget the date where uh, it's cut off. Matter of fact, I think I still think it's around. Uh, what happens is you apply under the DACA program and you are exempt from deportation temporarily. You're still an illegal alien, but the policy is you will not be deported, assuming you have a clean record and you know don't get involved in criminal activities, etc. And you're also allowed to work. 
Well, President Trump, as part of his campaigning, said we don't want the DACA program anymore because, uh, no surprise, this president is not particularly pro-illegal immigrant or pro-immigrant, period. So uh, you have these 800,000 people uh, that have that applied for, or actually it was a couple hundred thousand people, I think 800 are eligible, 800,000. But you have a couple of hundred thousand people that applied for that were granted DACA status. And then the president cut it off. And uh, then it went to court. And federal judges, three or four of them around the country, said you can't cut it off because of the way you cut off DACA. Unconstitutional uh, arguments. And the judges said we're going to allow DACA recipients to stay and to apply. The program is two years, which means if someone applies for DACA protection, it has to be reapplied for in two years, which makes a lot of sense. But here's the problem is so few people are reapplying. They're out of DACA protections. Why? Well, because of fear, because of confusion, because no one really knows. And it is a mess. And obviously, immigrant uh, rights activists are trying to get the word around. But when you have people that are here illegally under any circumstance and even have a temporary reprieve, they're dealing with an administration that wants them out. And that's precisely what's happening. So they're frightened to even go in and renew applications. The window reopened on January 10th. Well, since then... Right during uh, all of January, 11,000 people applied for and were approved. February, March, 59,000 people came in. Out of 59,000, 32,000 were approved. Then you have uh, people already in the pipeline before January. And the problem is those numbers are dropping. And uh, the activists, or excuse me, uh, the uh, pro-immigrant movement is really upset. And they're trying to get the word out, and it just doesn't seem to be working. A lot of DACA recipients are betting that the courts are going to keep the doors open, at least for a year. And so they don't want to apply too early. They want to wait till the last second to reapply because it's from the time that the... uh, DACA position is granted. So if you apply too early, the two years comes by too quickly. Of uh, 165,000 people whose DACA protections expire from uh, June to December, 12% have applied for renewal. So effectively, the DACA protection is decreasing. And once it goes through the courts, and it'll it'll hit the Supreme Court, believe me, there's no question about it. Then we'll find out whether DACA continues or not. My guess is, if the administration doesn't want it to continue, the administration doesn't have to have it continue. I mean, that's simply the way law works. In In this country, the executive branch has the right to make these decisions. All right, coming up next, Mula Monday with Guy Adami, and there's a lot going on there. KFI AM 640. Money talks. Sometimes you got to know when to shut up. Here comes the money. There are times when silence has the loudest voice. 
KFI Handle here on a Monday, May 14th. Time for Moolah Monday with Guy Adami. All right, Guy, good morning to you. Hello, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, uh, we've got charitable giving. No one's ever going to give to charity again. Uh, we've got NAFTA news. Let's just go for it. Let's start with NAFTA. What's happening there and how important is it? May 17th, some sort of phony fugazi, as we say, deadline. Um, a lot of people believe that the NAFTA talks are more important than the Chinese tariffs. I'm probably one of those people. I think, you know, China, China tariffs is a lot of pomp and circumstance, but I think when you get down to brass tacks, I think what's going on with NAFTA and are we going to renegotiate? Is it going to fall by the wayside? I think in terms of the market, at least, that's what we need to watch. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they have set a deadline of May 17th to sort of get this done one way or another. So while everybody's busy looking at China, I think the real um, noise could be created for the market and on the back of what's going on with NAFTA. All right, so explain what NAFTA is uh, so people North have American an idea. Free Trade Agreement. Us, the Canadians, the Mexicans, you know, we're all in it together type of thing. However, according to President Trump, and maybe he's right, you know, maybe we've been getting sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Horn swoggled, in other words, ripped off, and I think he wants to renegotiate. Not, he doesn't want um, no trade, as he said many times. He wants fair trade, and I think that's what he's sort of hell-bent on. He thinks we're getting ripped off. Maybe we are. I can't speak to that. But you know what? He leads, um, he leads big, backs off, and things seem to be getting done. So maybe he is the master negotiator that he claims to be so Who am i uh, to say one way or another well under nafta uh there effectively are no uh that there there really is any there's no limit to the trade in other words uh when we talk about tariffs they've just disappeared under nafta for the most part with the three countries do i have that right i believe you do but i do also believe that you know he for what you know i think he feels as if we're at the short end of the stick with every agreement we've ever made, you know, in, in the 200-some-odd-year history of this country. And I think, you know, he's hell-bent on changing these things um, to make it not necessarily advantageous for us, but to put us sort of on an equal playing field. And I'm not, not going to pretend to be some scholar in terms of NAFTA or Chinese tariffs. I'm not. I'm just sort of pointing out that any sort of hiccup along the way in terms of what's going on with NAFTA could be market uh, deleterious. And it's interesting that when you talk about lack of tariffs, that it really does become a free trade, how we get screwed on that, as opposed to throwing up tariffs. It's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? I don't think, you know, again, I'm not certain we are, you know, my point isn't that we are getting screwed. My point is that I think he believes that we're sort of, you know, getting screwed. I, I can't speak to whether or not that's true, but I also think he feels that any agreement or any accord that's been put in place prior to his administration must be a bad one, therefore needs to be renegotiated. Right. It stands to reason, though, to your point, that if there's no tariffs and it actually is free, it's, it's, it, capitalism works. And if you're getting screwed, you're only getting screwed because maybe your goods aren't as, um, as, as, as inexpensive. As, right. And, and the and, reality the is, next guys. yeah, and the reality is, uh, if you look at the controls, the United States has OSHA, the United States has minimum wage, the United States has protections, where none of that occurs in Mexico. So if there aren't any tariffs, of course, uh, Mexico is going to get a better end of the deal because they can, they can manufacture that same widget. For far, far less, and then put it on they a truck. Start, that, to your point, yeah, that That's uses it. old They're tires. Cheaper. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper. Okay.
So uh, let's talk about the uh, charitable donations. That's a big one. This is interesting, yeah. and you know, it's it's basically in a nutshell. It's harder to it's harder to write off those taxable those charitable donations that you've been making. It it's just become a lot more difficult. Things need to be itemized better. I think there's a threshold for the amount you have to give. But again, in a nutshell, and I'm not a tax accountant, and I'm not some genius on that front. But it just gets a lot more difficult for people to write things off. So if you're giving out of the kindness of your heart, that's great. But if you think that there's going to be some benefit to you in terms of your your tax write-offs, it's probably not going to be as advantageous as it's been in the past. And I think that that is a great concern, not necessarily for the individual, but for a lot of these charities, quite frankly, count on these donations. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to, a lot of these places are going to get hurt in in a meaningful way. And I think they're concerned about it. I know sitting on the board of a couple of these places, they're really concerned about how how things are going to look well, going forward. Yeah, we're going to find out because there haven't we don't have the figures in yet as to how much money does not come in when the donations, uh, when uh, the deductions disappear or are really limited. One of the things about uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, that's the, the new uh, tax act that was put into place that President Trump put in, is, you know, everybody says, oh, it's the wealthy, it's the wealthy. Well, the wealthy give far more to charity because they simply have more money, and that's going to be limited. The home deduction, the tax deduction for your mortgages, that has dropped to, if you're talking about a wealthy person with a huge mortgage, uh, that's dropped to virtually nothing. Uh, you know, some people are getting re- with money are getting really nailed under this yeah. uh, the new act. And what's interesting is, and you, and I think hidden. I'm not saying it's hidden in what you're saying, but if you really read between the lines, the three states that are really getting fleeced are California, your home state, New York, my born state, and my current state, New Jersey. And why is that? Quite frankly, because the next time those states vote for a Republican president will be the first, right? And I think so. I think the administration has said, you know what? We're not going to win these states anyway. Let's put the screws to them. And I think that's really what's going on here, to be honest with you. It seems to be um, it's politics at, at its worst. Yeah, it's and crazy. These are the states that are getting hurt. Just one uh, last uh, statement I want to make, and your comment on that is that California, of course, is, uh, has taxed its citizens into oblivion, especially anybody that makes a good living. And uh, the we, I just read that the amount of money that's now coming into the state coffers is up several billion dollars in anticipated, and the uh, economy is on fire here in California. So if you look at the stats, the more money we pay in taxes, the better off California is. Explain that one to me. <laughs> well, I mean, the more money you pay... The, the state of California might be better, but not necessarily individuals. I mean, a lot of this is coming. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. For those of us uh, that live in California where we're taxed ridiculously, it people are still pouring into the state. Pouring into the state, I believe, and, and you can speak to this, but in a very lip, well, in a very specific area. I mean, the jobs in Silicon Valley in the tech industry are going through the roof. I can't speak to the rest of the state. And the last I looked, I think the state wants to sort of break themselves into three different places, yeah. which sort of talks about like the haves and the have-nots. Right. So, listen, as the Beatles song says, tax the or not the Beatles song, but you know the song, tax the rich, feed the poor. Until there are no rich no more, well, that's what's going on in California. All right, Guy, thank you. 
We'll talk Enjoyed again. It. We'll talk again next uh, week on Moolah Monday. Coming up, Koreatown, the homeless shelter, and NIMBY. Oh, it's always NIMBY, isn't it? Uh, Koreatown's a little bit different, though, and I'll explain that. KFI AM 640. KFI handle here on a Monday, May 14th. Big stories that we're covering today. Uh, the embassy in Jerusalem, American embassy in Jerusalem opens up. And uh, the ceremonies are, for the most part, over. Over 800 Americans uh, or 800 guests were invited. Jared Kushner uh, was uh, the keynote on behalf of the United States. Of course, uh, the Prime Minister of Israel spoke, and it is official now. Uh, North Korea, some news is coming up. We'll do that at the top of the hour. And Hawaii, the fishers are still fishing. Is uh, I think there's a verb there, fishing. That's the... Fishers. Okay, never mind. All right, uh, here is uh, another episode or a sidebar story when it comes to uh, shelters, homeless shelters. And this one has to do with uh, a proposed Koreatown shelter. So earlier this month, uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti and City Council President Herb Wesson chose a city-owned Koreatown parking lot as a launch site for a $20 million initiative, which was the mayor's uh, initiative for temporary homeless shelters across the city. About 400 people uh, live on the streets and about 70 encampments in the Koreatown area. So obviously the need is pressing. Uh, Garcetti and Wesson said that the 65-bed shelter would be, quote, a pathway to getting people off the street while the city builds permanent housing. Well, uh, a couple problems with this. First of all, uh, this uh, city-owned parking lot where they're going to be putting up this encampment is a very short distance from several schools. So you've got residents and business owners that are a touch upset. Koreatown has a lot of high-rises. I mean, it's apartment buildings, it's condos, because it's a very dense area. So here's the problem with it. Number one uh, is the place... Appropriate And number two, the residents of Koreatown are saying, gee, wouldn't it be nice if you asked us first? If we had some input into that. Because they're arguing that the residents and the business owners of Koreatown were totally blindsided. Now, the city is hemming and hawing and trying to figure it out. But let's say you are the decision maker here whether you're a council person whether you're a housing advocate or in charge of some governmental housing program or the mayor and you have to have some place to put these homeless people temporary shelters encampments you know tents even but city owned tents where they're trying to make it uh, a little nice for the people toilets that sort of thing so you ask any neighborhood for input, wherever you're going to put the homeless encampment, the homeless shelter. What is any neighborhood going to say? What is every single neighborhood going to say? Not here. No chance. You see where the Vietnamese people live down the street over there? Put it there. 
And then the Vietnamese uh, community goes, you see the Cambodians over there? Uh, that, that's where we want to put it. Then you have uh, Guatemala land, because even the Hispanic communities have their little, uh, little enclaves. Little Ethiopia, little Tokyo. Uh, no, we don't want it here either. So where do you put homeless shelters? Well, uh, here's where I think they would go. And it makes all the sense to me. Nowhere. How about nowhere? Does nowhere work for you? Because nowhere certainly works for me. And therein lies the problem. So was the Korean community blindsided? Probably. But can they ask for the input? Yeah, maybe they ask. Maybe the city asks for input and then ignores the neighborhood. So at least the city can say, well, we had hearings. And we heard what you had to say. And too bad. We voted or Garcetti made the decision. Orange County has the same problem, of course. Uh, Every community has the same problem with this uh, homeless problem being totally insurmountable. And it's it's going to take a generation to deal with this. It really is. Uh, And and maybe it's going to get worse because the way our economy is working is uh, that the polarization, I'm not talking about the political polarization, I'm just talking about the economic polarization. The disparity between rich and poor is growing and growing. The poor are getting poorer, the rich are getting richer, the middle class disappeared a long time ago. It's a tough way to go. So, uh, in the end, I am going to tell you that I think... You've got to have a heart. I think these communities have to show that they actually care because this is humanity at work. As long as it's not near me, I'm fine with it. That's the bottom line. All right, coming up, North Korea says, chow baby to nukes. How do you say chow baby in uh, Korean, by the way? Let's look that up. Uh, There's a translation program out there. Uh, And hello to incentives. That's coming up right here, KFI AM 640. We lead local from the KFI 24-hour newsroom. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. KFI handle here on a Monday, May 14th. Uh, Coming up at 9 o'clock, Chef Bruno is uh, joining us. The White House restaurant in Anaheim is now open for business. Katarina's Club feeding the kids. They've been doing that. Bruno's been doing that literally since the minute the restaurant burned down. He's never stopped feeding the kids. All right, that's coming up. Another stories that we're covering, the Jerusalem Embassy is uh, now open. That is the United States Embassy in Jerusalem. Over the weekend, 43 people killed in protests, Palestinians. All right, now, uh, what's going on in uh, with Korea, North Korea? Well, uh, it's getting closer and closer to uh, the meeting between Kim Jong-un and the president. And Kim Jong-un is really coming to the table, maybe. First of all, he has said uh, that he is closing down 
the uh, testing facility in North Korea. And it's a big deal. All the tunnels, uh, all of the guard towers, the intelligence buildings, the roads, all of it, all shutting down. And, and I mean destroyed, not just shutting down. And he has offered uh, the uh, International Press Corps an invitation to come and watch it happen. Actually, it's going to be the United States and I think China and Great Britain are going to be invited. So that sounds pretty good. Now, the people that are looking at this agreement and this summit and are not particularly in favor of it are saying, you know what? Kim Jong-un really isn't giving up anything. Even Kim Jong-un said that we don't need the testing anymore. We have it. We're done. We have the ballistic missiles. We have the weaponry. We have the nuclear warheads. So we're done. But, you know, think about this. How long has the United States had the bomb? 1945 is when the bomb went off in Nagasaki and Hiroshima and it was just a couple of months before that the first Trinity test was done. First nuclear explosion happened in New Mexico. When's the last time the United States actually tested a ballistic missile? Month ago? Two months ago? It's never stopped testing, ever. And for Kim Jong-un to say, I'm done with testing... Now, most of the testing that's done is done on computer modeling uh, modeling for the nuclear weapons themselves with the missiles. I think they just sent one off a Trident submarine a couple of months ago, just testing it. So that seems to me pretty good for Kim Jong-un. The U.S. is responding that it is prepared to quickly lift sanctions on North Korea. And the United States will not ask for regime change, will not seek to oust Kim Jong-un from power, saying you are free to abuse, kill, malign, imprison your people all day long. It's none of that business. According to Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo, he said, we're going to have to provide security assurances. Now, our hope that Kim wants a strategic change And President Trump is prepared to help. So Kim Jong-un is really going to have to change his entire thinking about North Korea. Does North Korea remain an isolated rogue state, an an isolationist state? Well, if the answer is yes, not much is going to happen. If Kim Jong-un wants to open up North Korea and now have it become not only among the community of nations around the world, but actually make some money, actually feed its people, build some infrastructure. I mean, you look across the border to South Korea and North Korea, look at the difference. And if Kim Jong-un, his main emphasis is to stay in power, which clearly is the most important thing for him to do, I have a feeling you may actually uh, see this thing happening. It's, uh, if Trump is able to pull this off, man, 
is uh, he going to be in good shape? So therefore, that means uh, he is going to nail it when it comes to the next election cycle, right? When he runs for president the second time, 2020. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. When Bill Clinton went up against George Bush Sr. after the first Gulf War, George Bush, President Bush at that time, had a 92% approval rating right after the war. He lost the election. A lot happens. I mean, what, we're two and a half years out? Or is that a year and a half out? Hey, two and a half years out. A lot can happen. But if it turns out that the president is able to pull this off, man, what a legacy for this president. No other president been able to do this. This will be great news. Okay. Uh, coming up, more people, more military people are dying in training than in war. A couple reasons why that's happening, and I'll explain. Also, your chance. You say keep my head from KFI handle here on a Monday, May 14th. Uh, here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. And if you win, you're going to get a call from a number that you don't recognize. And you got to pick it up. Otherwise, they move on to somebody else who will. Your chance to win happens every hour starting at 5 o'clock during wake-up call all the way through 7 o'clock at night with Conway. All right, we're back. Uh, the big stories that we're covering uh, today, oh, there's lots of them, too. And uh, that is the U.S. Embassy opening up in Jerusalem today. And, of course, the protests going on at the border, the Gaza-Israeli border. Dozens and dozens of Palestinians have been killed as they're trying to breach the wall. Uh, and coming up uh, at 9 o'clock, Chef Bruno is going to join us. It's the opening of the Anaheim White House restaurant, and we're pretty excited, to say the least. Went there, and the food is as good as always. All right, something that we have been hearing about, and uh, this has happened over the last couple of years, and is the number of accidental deaths in the military has increased and it now far outweighs or outnumbers the number of deaths in combat. Now, there are obviously a couple reasons for that. And that is the deaths in combat have decreased dramatically because uh, we're really not at war. We're really not doing combat anywhere in the world. We have advisory uh, personnel in Afghanistan, in Iraq, but for the most part, Anytime a U.S. serviceman is killed, it is big news. And that's good news. That a single death, even though obviously for the family, is horrific. But relative to the big pictures and the number of people that used to die in combat, that is good news. So why is the uptick, more than an uptick, in accidental deaths going so crazy? Three major reasons. Number one, the equipment is old. It really is. Two, the maintenance has been deferred. 
We're simply not doing the maintenance that we should be doing. You know, and talk about equipment being old. That C-130 that crashed in Puerto Rico was 60 years old. It was on its way, or 50 years old, it was on its way to the boneyard in uh, the Nevada desert, the Arizona desert. I mean, it was done. Keeping an airplane for that long. And we don't know if it was maintained properly or not. They say it was, but the investigational investigation will uh, come out and tell us whether or not it was, if there's anything missing. And then the other part of his training. The training is not as good as it should be. The last two collisions with our warships in which sailors died. One of the reasons given, as a matter of fact, the primary reason given was the training was inadequate. You put all that together and, um, you know, you wonder, uh, is the president right on? I think he is. We have to have better training. We have to have newer equipment. We have to have better maintenance, all of which has fallen off. To give you an idea of how lackluster the training is, many years ago, I was invited to see a live fire exercise with the Air National Guard at one of the bases, I think, out near Paris or wherever the hell out in the desert. I don't remember exactly the base. And uh, it was an F-16 that was and did fly and then use a live bomb to attack a target. It was a live fire exercise. They made such a big deal about this in that this was the end-all, be-all to actually use a real bomb in a real exercise is something that maybe a National Guard pilot is going to have once in a lifetime. At least that's the way it was portrayed. I mean, everybody was out there. The generals were out there. The colonels were out there. Everybody was watching because it was such a huge deal. And you wouldn't think it'd be that big a deal. Except spending the money. It's so expensive to use a live bomb. And I don't know how much a bomb costs. I mean, how much can a a bomb cost? Alex, look up Walmart, would you? Yeah, yeah, look at Walmart. See if uh, what a live bomb costs at Walmart. Can't be that much money. So I, for those people, and, and this is where, and you know I'm not a huge fan of, of the president, but when he says, you know, we have to do something about the maintenance. We have to do something about new equipment. We have to do something about the training. The military will tell you all day long. I mean, it's desperate. Interesting that we, no government today, can actually do its job with the money that's coming in. The city, the county, the states, even the feds. Man, what does that tell you? Have we seen uh, the Walmart yet? 500-pound bombs? All right, we'll be back. Coming up, handle on the news, late edition. Right here on... Handle on the news. Late edition. Handle on the news. Ah, boy, here we go.
Here's Bill Handel. All right, Monday, May 14th. A lot going on. Handle here. And before we uh, get to handle on the news late edition, uh, we're asking you to help the American Red Cross initiative to get prepared California. $400 donation. You and a guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all the KFI hosts and crew, plus unlimited sky slide rides during an exclusive evening at the beautiful OUE Sky Space in downtown LA. You have to be 21. 100% of the proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross. Get prepared, California campaign. Limited number of tickets. For details, log on to KFIAM640.com, and the search word is Mixer. Okay, let's do it. Handle on the news, uh, late edition, Jennifer Jones-Lee, Mo Kelly in for Wayne and me. Lead story. All right, the uh, U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem opened up today. And uh, as we speak, that part's done. The part that isn't done are the demonstrations on the Gaza-Israeli border where dozens of Palestinians have been killed and it's still going balls to the wall. It doesn't look like it's going to go away anytime soon. Now, the U.S. contingent was actually led by Jared Kushner, who gave remarks. uh, And it was obviously very pro-Israeli. Talked about how Israel and the United States have been allies. We believe in democracy. We're the same people. And just on and on. Now, the part that I love this, and that is him saying the decision by the president last December to recognize Jerusalem as Israel as the Israel's capital would help the peace process rather than hinder it. Really? That's nice. Yeah, and that... uh, and killing the Palestinians probably helps it too. Not that it's not justified in terms of the Palestinians trying to overrun the border and trying to effectively, I guess the word is invade Israel. They're trying to breach the border and Israel says you're not going to do it. it. Ain't going to happen. But does that help the peace process? All I'm saying. Okay. Any comments? No. No? No. That's about it. Okay. Other than this Israeli soccer team, who is pretty excited about old Jerusalem because they want to add Trump to the name of the team. We will have so much winning. Maybe if they add Trump to the name, they'll have good luck and they'll win a lot. But this team, uh, is it Bitar Jerusalem? Said that it's going to now be called Bitar Trump Jerusalem. Isn't that great? And you watch. It's going to be Jerusa Trump. <laughs> Just mark my words. You never know. As opposed to Televanka. That's, uh, that's, that's even better. That's good. Very strong. Okay. They say this is uh, kind of thanking the president for recognizing Jerusalem as the capital city and moving the embassy there. And, but here's the thing that I thought was funny. They say it's not a done deal because the name Donald Trump is a registered trademark in Israel. So they have to wait and get approval. Wow. I didn't know that. And he's probably going to negotiate a a, a good price. He'll give him a discount. (laughs) Not only because Israelis are good negotiators. Who negotiates better? Donald Trump or a bunch of Jews? You think they're uh, head-to-head on that? You're all by yourself on that one. Yeah. You take that one handle. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well... uh, (laughs) 
Let's move on. Yes. Talking about betting, (laughs) Supreme Court has opened the door for legalized sports betting nationwide. Yeah, that just happened. Big deal. So uh, it uh, now you were just reporting that the uh, sports book people are negotiating now. We're talking about 15 minutes after the the court decision comes down. They actually started last night in anticipation because this decision was thought to be coming years in advance because the mood of the nation had changed. And it's more than just the betting. It's sponsorship opportunities. It's licensing deals. All the things, the ancillary uh, revenue, which is surrounded, uh, which surrounds betting. It's more than just betting on this team to win or another team to lose. Um, and if anything, talking about Donald Trump, this will help the economy, and the president will have had nothing to do with it, but he'll benefit from oh, it. Oh, sure, and probably take the credit. So I'm going to make an analogy here uh, to what's going on in uh, Israel right now with the uh, Palestinians and uh, the demonstrations. Tomorrow, May 15th, is the anniversary of the announcement of uh, Israel as a nation, Declaration of Israel as a Nation. Among the Palestinians, that's known as the Day of Catastrophe. It is. The Nakba, I think. It is the day the catastrophe happened. Today, Las Vegas will now call it the Day of Catastrophe because of what the Supreme Court did. How's that for analogies? That, that's pretty good. Wow. That's, that's analysis, huh? Now, do you remember? Damn right. Do you remember the day? What do you mean? When Israel was formed. That was 1948. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you remember? No. <laughs> no, I don't. When were you born? 25? Yes. 1925? Yes. Okay. Wow. Yes. Mo's here for one day. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Ventura County Sheriff's Office says, uh, no, we did not when it comes to claims that they de- a deputy yanked a hijab off a woman's head. I still wrap my hijab. Oh, yeah. My Lawsuit, of course, filed. She said, uh, he yanked it off of my head. Humiliation. I will never sleep again. I mean, typical stuff whenever uh, any of this happens. That's not to say it didn't happen. All I'm saying is it becomes a lifetime of grief and therapy and never sleep again and anxiety uh, and on, 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 on. It's always that way. Uh, Now, uh, the deputies, police department says they have proof that it didn't happen that way at all. They say we have video and observable body language and an audible conversation of all those involved, including yep. this woman. And they say at no point was there any indication of hostility or disdain or anything. And that it was actually, uh, I think, um, like a nurse or somebody who was removing yep. the hijab because they were looking for uh, injuries. Right. Oh, so now video tells the whole story. But any, any they won't time. release it. Mm-hmm. Any other time it's like, well, there's more to it. You didn't see what happened before the video. video. Now it's... Well, the video tells the whole story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, she did say they yanked it off her, and that doesn't seem to be the case as far as the police are concerned. I'm and just, and it, although they admit they shouldn't have done it, I'm just being cynical. That's all. No, I understand, but it's uh, always the case. Now, to the extent that the police should not have done it, so they've already admitted they did something wrong. On the other hand, uh, the police are saying. There was never any active, uh, any uh, altercation. You can't use the word yanked. So we'll see. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. More handle on the news late edition. 
KFI handle here. It is a Monday, May 14th. Some of the big stories we're covering. The uh, embassy in Jerusalem has opened up. Palestinian demonstrations going on like crazy. Dozens of Palestinians have been killed. And uh, the new fishers are fishering in uh, Hawaii. All right, let's uh, do it. More handle on the news, late edition. Jennifer Jones, Lee Mo Kelly in for jury duty boy, Wayne and me. And a local field worker says that officers needlessly threatened her while they were trying to detain her. She's a 28-year-old, and she was in her driveway heading to work. She's a field hand who picks strawberries. And she claims that ICE agents came up to her car, and she didn't know what was going on, so she was, you know, nervous. And that's when her attorney says ICE officers threatened her mom and told her if she didn't go with them that they would try and run them, or that they would say she had tried to run them over. Well, the cops say she did try to run one of the ICE officers over. It's always a he said, she said situation, unless they're independent witnesses. Or body cam video, yeah, maybe? Well, that's the way it's going to work, because independent witnesses are never independent whenever uh, the police are involved. Very rarely do you have witnesses backing up the police. Yeah, and her attorney says, look, she they had no right to be on her property. She's not a criminal. She doesn't have any misdemeanors. Uh, she has zero criminal history. And she was released, I guess, with a low bond because she didn't pose much of a threat. But, I mean, I guess she was here illegally, though. So. You know, and speaking of illegal immigration, there's a massive passport fraud in Hungary, which allowed uh, hundreds of people to enter the U.S. under false identities. About 700 non-Hungarians have fraudulently obtained authentic Hungarian passports and assumed the identities of the original passport holders. And they're coming to the U.S., according to the Washington Post. Now, if we had just built that damn wall, you're this, right. Uh, never mind. That's true. Well, a judge says L.A. County wrongly booted thousands of people off of Medi-Cal. Is expensive. Which means it's going to cost, oh, let's say L.A. County a few million, tens of millions of dollars. This was from December 2016 to December 2017. 22,000 people in L.A. County lost their Medi-Cal benefits because of a backlog of applications and a faulty computer system. All right. Well, that's going to end up costing us. Yeah. For sure. Tennessee man has been accused of sex not once but twice with a horse. Save a horse, ride a Now, this is a tough one because, you know, I can understand having sex once with a horse, but twice is kind of over the top, isn't it? First time around, you get a pass. I get it. But two? Come on. And there's video. Yeah. A recently pregnant horse. Oh, Who's the father? God. Okay. The, The owner who apparently did have the video called the vet who took swabs yeah, it was a rape to get kit. DNA evidence. Yeah, it was a horse rape kit. No means no. Oh my nay God. means nay. <laughs> well done. Wow. <laughs> this next story is a who cares compared to that last one. 3,000 pounds of marijuana received in Santa Barbara. Well, who cares? Smoke weed every day. 
Except there was a boat. What is it? Uh, yeah, the Ponga boat. A Ponga boat. Who the hell has a Ponga boat and that's not going to be suspicious? And they're used all the time in drug smuggling. So if you have one... Yeah, like I in Hong gonna, Kong. Well, that's just it. But if you have one, I think they're going to assume you're a drug smuggler. Uh, which you probably are. Yeah, I guess. So they got uh, 18 men were in this operation that they were able to get. Yeah, and 3,000 pounds is no small amount no. of marijuana either. And uh, all right, I think we're done. What do you think, guys? Yeah, we're done. Yeah, yeah. we're done. All right, coming up in uh, just a few moments, uh, Chef Bruno. The White House restaurant is open for business, and uh, Bruno will tell us what is going on and uh, some of uh, the items on the menu. Oh, I'm going to insist on that. I went there uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, yes. We're back in business. KFI AM 640. But then a Monday morning quarterback never lost. Again. All right, KFI handle here on uh, Monday morning, May 14th. Some of the stories that we are covering, uh, three new fishers have opened up on uh, the big island of Hawaii, threatening a geothermal plant. And I tell you, if it blows up, woo. And then what's going on in Jerusalem? Uh, right now, the Gaza-Israeli border demonstrations, uh, dozens of Palestinians killed, and it keeps on going. Tomorrow is the anniversary of the founding of the state of Israel, and it's going to be very, very troubling as far as the demonstrations are concerned. All right, now let's have some good news. The Anaheim White House restaurant is now open for business, and there is uh, Chef Bruno Serrato. Bruno, finally! Buongiorno, so Bruno, when did you open up? We opened up, uh, well, we did a few opening up, let's say the two. I did a private open two weeks ago only for the children because uh, a year, 15 months ago, when uh, I went on fire, the children were sad and they asked me when I will reopen. I said, the first customer will be welcome in. When I reopen the door, will be you. I mean, uh, two, three weeks ago, I have a private dinner for 150 children, all the Boys Girls Club uh, kids who are going to Anaheim. And that was a magical, first magical moment. Yeah, and th- it was not a pasta dinner either, was it? It was a full-blown Bruno dinner, right? It was. Uh, we had the uh, beef. No, we had the chicken. We have the pasta. We have the dessert. We have the, the vegetable. It was a full three-course dinner, which uh, the kids were ecstatic. But uh, the happiness of the children to come back to the restaurant make my joy more than you can even imagine. So, Bruno, here's what uh, here's what I'm yeah. going to do for a minute, Bruno, because you always default to the kids. You always do that. That's where you go. You know what? We're going to talk a little bit about Bruno today. Let's talk okay. about your restaurant. Uh, what's going on with the Anaheim White House restaurant? Now, it was well, it's a historical building that has a historical designation. How much of it burned down, and how, what did you have to do to keep that? Well, 80% of the restaurant was burned down. I had to redo it 80% of everything. The only 20% was left over was the wall on the north and east side. That is the only thing. But inside, everything else was 80% gone. What I have to do, I have to keep the historical part, which was the front especially, 
for the historical society. That's what keeps exactly what they used to be in 1909. I did add a veranda on the porch, which make much more attractive than it used to be before. And uh, the inside is 100% completely new. In fact, we have some challenge because you also did the redesign of the full kitchen. And, uh, you know, the stove was someplace some before. The refrigerator located different. I mean, uh, the last week we'll be having challenges to keep update on timing. And about uh, customers are pretty cool. You know, we told them, so be patient for these couple of weeks. You know, when you open a restaurant. Oh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Always, I know. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Now, and uh, we'll be open for 30 years, but this week it was a little bit of challenge because it's a, a new beginning. Now, one of the things uh, that we talked about the morning that the fire, as a matter of fact, occurred. We talked early that morning, and uh, yeah. you had said, of course, we have to feed the kids. That was your first thing. And you had said that all of your employees who didn't have jobs as of that morning, you were going to find jobs temporarily and then bring them back. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that. Well, in fact, it's too. Every employee was working for me then. I got a job in 30, 60 days after the fire. And when I reopened uh, the business, 80% of the employee came back. And that was a big, huge help, not only as a humanitarian value, because when you have a people's coming back after 15 months waiting for you to open the door to come back to work for you, that means everything with the White House is all about me, Sylvain, everybody. Chef, right. Chef, hey, I, I want to share a story with you that I, you didn't probably know, and that is uh, at the opening, at the grand opening, I think the two or three, uh, Marjorie and I were there. And uh, what Bruno did is he had a ceremony with the American flag being raised and the staff uh, on the porch, uh, one, uh, they had two on both sides, there were staffers. Uh, and that is a group of, I think, the kitchen help, et cetera, were on one side of the porch and the other part of the servers were in the management were on the other side uh, looking at the audience, okay? You had the the, the front door, and then uh, on either side were the, the, the staffers looking at us in the audience. Uh, yeah. Marjorie pointed out, and I don't know if you knew this, but half of the staff, tears were going down their face as uh, the flag went up and the official announcement that the restaurant was open. Uh, and then uh, it, was, it was very, very moving. And then... Uh, I, I, you were, and thank you for allowing me to do this. Uh, Bruno had, had uh, offered uh, and invited me to cut the ribbon, which I did. And then, as soon as uh, the ribbon was cut, then people came in the front door. The people that were there, Bruno, it was like a fire sale at Walmart on Black Friday. I have to tell you, I could barely get out of there. I was almost run over by a herd of rhinos. <laughs> So uh, it, so let's talk a little bit about your menu. We only have a, a couple of minutes. And, uh, yeah, well, it, I keep uh, the semi, some of the same items of the menu I had before. The only thing I did for the next uh, month or two, I cut the menu in half. Because like I mentioned earlier, you, know, you, you needed to get back on track. It's been 15 months, then we cooking pasta only for the kids. And I go back in the kitchen, it's like uh, completely new. I mean, instead of to put like a 20, 30, 40 item on the menu, like I used to, I cut the menu to make easy on the kitchen. On and, the then it and then it comes back, right? And yeah, I come, everything was coming back. I mean, we still have the pasta matriciana, filet mignon, also buco, lobster ravioli. You know, oh, God, it's, it's, it's just, really, it uh, I've had all of that. 
I have to tell you, for those who have never eaten at Anaheim White House, uh, you are really, really in for a treat the first time you eat there. Those of you who have, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and it is such a destination restaurant that uh, where people, you have a, a website, don't you, Bruno? I have a website. Okay. AnaheimWhiteHouse.com. Yeah, I know that. I was That was just a throwaway to you, so you can okay. say it. AnaheimWhiteHouse.com, and it'll give you directions. Uh, officially open now and insanely worthwhile. Also, don't forget, the Anaheim White House supports the kids, and that is very, very important. So when you eat there, you're helping the now 4,000 kids a night being fed with uh, through Katarina's Club. And also the menu is uh, on uh, your website, right? Yes, everything is on the website. Yeah, you have to look at that menu. The new decoration. Yeah, you've got it. You know, I redecor everything completely new. The look is completely new from before, which is amazing. All right. So uh, Anaheim White House, Chef Bruno, AnaheimWhiteHouse.com. And uh, please support Bruno. And you'll also have some of the best food you've ever had in your life. All right, Bruno, take care, my friend. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Ciao, ciao, ciao. All right. Uh, What a guy. I mean, he has won so many awards. You know, he is Sir Bruno that uh, the government of Italy knighted him. It's actually a kingdom still. And uh, he is Sir Bruno. Uh, I did not know that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Among his other massive awards, it has a CNN Hero of the Year. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, all of that. All right, coming up, Venezuelans are flooding into Colombia. And this is a story of... Politics gone very, very wrong. And, of course, who do you blame? The United States. We're always at fault. And your chance to win $1,000. All right. Hey, if I handle here, a chance to win some money? Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's CASH to 200-200. And if you win, you're going to get a call from a number that you don't recognize. So you have to answer your phone in order to get that money. Otherwise, Money Man moves on to somebody else. And your chance to win happens every Monday through Friday starting at 5 o'clock all the way through 7 o'clock at night. 1999 in uh, Venezuela, probably... It was, well, was the year Venezuela started uh, collapsing, going into the toilet. Hugo Chavez, uh, a genuine communist, was elected president of Venezuela. He had been the opposition. He had, prior to that, uh, tried a coup. But anyway, he runs and he gets elected president of the country. And immediately puts Venezuela on a socialist slash communist track. Where... Uh, businesses were nationalized where uh, privately owned businesses that weren't nationalized were taxed to high heaven. And uh, there were a lot of poor people in Venezuela. And uh, the subsidies started. Uh, Gasoline was subsidized. As a matter of fact, are you ready for this? Because Venezuela produces its own oil. You know how much gas was in Venezuela during those days? Because it was totally subsidized by the government. Five cents a gallon. Gasoline was free. And food was free. And of course, medical care was free. Well, 
when you take away the ability of, for people making money and only help out the poor and there's nothing coming in on the other side, the country collapses. Caracas, prior to, prior to Chavez becoming president, was considered the Paris of South America. It was a beautiful, gorgeous city. Take a look at any photo uh, where you're looking at uh, Caracas, Venezuela. So what's happening now? Well, Venezuelans are now pouring over the border into Colombia. Effectively, Venezuelans have become poor, illegal immigrants, much like we have uh, Latinos coming over our border, Mexicans, Guatemalans. Here's the difference. You have, in our case, underskilled, undereducated people coming over. In that case, in Venezuela, into Colombia, you have highly educated. You have skilled people where there is no work. The economy has collapsed. Shortages, toilet paper, there are lines blocks long. Basic foodstuffs. And how does, well, how did they get away with it? Because now it's uh, no longer Chavez. Chavez died of cancer back in 2013, and he hand-selected Maduro uh, as uh, president of Venezuela. And they changed the law to now where it's uh, effectively lifetime for a president to stay there. And opposition parties have a very tough time. It's, It's basically Russia where uh, Maduro is going to stay as long as he wants. Still a communist. Still telling people that, well, two things. Number one, he obviously has the support of uh, the very poor because there's still subsidies going on, even though there isn't much food. But what little food there is goes to the poor people because that's his base, much like uh, President Trump has his base. And how do they get away with it? How is there not massive, massive retaliation and uh, we're talking about revolution, overthrow? Why, why is that not happening? Well, you know whose fault it is. It's not the government of Venezuela's fault. It's our fault. The United States is making sure that the Venezuelan economy collapses. It's the United States that has, in fact, destroyed the economy of Venezuela. So you have people, there are demonstrations going on. So you have the highly skilled people pouring over the border into Colombia by the hundreds of thousands. You have the poor people remaining, as you can imagine. It is a downward spiral that's going on. All of which you blame the United States. So infrastructure has collapsed. It's, uh, they're going to, well, what is it? I was reading an article in, uh, in the LA Times as well as other uh, articles and research we've done. Uh, by 2020, there will be no economy left. I mean, it'll be Somalia or Yemen where there's just no economy. And that's what's going to happen. And it's our fault. And that's too bad. So I have been to uh, Venezuela. It's been a lot of years, but what a beautiful country. I mean, just Caracas, just a gorgeous, gorgeous city. Everybody's super well-dressed, you know, men in coat and ties and hats. I mean, just elegant. 
women in the beauty. I mean, we're talking about when you go out to dinner, you uh, the, the thought of not being dressed up for dinner is almost impossible. Just just fabulous place. Destroyed. Bunch of commies. Chavez, Maduro, commie pinko bastards. Destroy the country. Damn it. All right, coming up, Mo is going to join me because there's something new afoot. White people keep calling the cops on black people. But is that new? And then a conversation I had with Mo maybe three years ago uh, that absolutely stunned me. And I'll share that with you. KFI AM 660. KFI handle here. I want to remind you. Please donate to help the American Red Cross initiative to give a pair of California for a $400 donation. You and a guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all the KFI hosts and crew, plus unlimited sky slide rides during an exclusive evening at the beautiful OUE Sky Space in downtown LA. For a $399 donation, dollar donation, you get nothing other than you get to donate. Uh, you have to be 21 years or older. 100% of the proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross. Get Prepared California, did I say uh, cocktails and appetizers with all the KFI hosts and crew plus unlimited sky slide rides. Uh, Limited tickets, 100% of the proceeds benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California campaign. Limited tickets for details, log on to KFIAM640.com. And uh, the keyword is mixer. All right. Uh, Lately... There have been uh, incident after incident, and we've covered uh, virtually all of them that have made national news because they are national news. If you remember that black Yale student taking a nap in the common room in her dorm, right? A white student sees her sleeping and decides to call the police. She's a graduate student at Yale, woken up by the, a classmate and interrogated by law enforcement for 15 minutes. The white student told the cops she had appeared out of place in the building. And there are a lot of these incidents. Remember at uh, the Philadelphia Starbucks, two black men uh, wouldn't buy a cup of coffee and were thrown out. One one wanted to use the restroom, out. Then there was uh, the black woman violently arrested in Alabama at the Waffle House. And then a golf club. Uh, The owner called uh, the police on a group of black women who he said were playing too slowly. Uh, This is shopping while black. You you forgot the one about the woman who called the police on the couple who was barbecuing in Oakland. Because she said they were not supposed to use a charcoal barbecue. That was most recently. Yeah, and how un- come on, how unusual. African-Americans bar- uh, barbecuing, right? That's like Irish with uh, cabbage and uh, corned beef. I'm going to let you die on. on that hill by yourself, Bill. <laughs> come on. People of my persuasion with pastrami sandwiches, come on, guys. Really. Anyway, uh, let's move on yes. for a moment. And, uh, and then a, uh, a, a story, this is driving while black, Except this is shopping while black. And then a story I may have shared with you, Mo, and I'm having Mo come in here because uh, I want to share with you a conversation that Mo and I had about three years ago that absolutely stunned me. 
But first, uh, I want to share something, uh, a story of driving while black. Uh, KFI used to have a general manager uh, by the name of Howard Neal, African-American man, who uh, was one of the greatest managers, one of the greatest guys in the world, would dress in his $2,000 suits. I mean, just looked so good. And he drove a Mercedes. I mean, he was a highly placed management guy who ran one of the most successful radio stations in the country. He would drive through Beverly Hills to get home. More often than not, he was stopped. He was stopped. And he just said, it's sort of a matter of course. And I, and I go, Howard, how do you deal with this? He said, I'm a black guy. And I'm driving a fancy car, a nice high-end car. And that's what the cops do. If you're a white guy, you're not going to get stopped. Happened to me. I used to drive a Honda S2000 sports car. And I was driving in Venice Beach area. Cop pulled me over, asked me, how did I pay for the car? Unbelievable. And I said, is there a problem with my registration, officer? What is it you do? Same car I was driving home in Torrance one night at uh, 1.30 in the morning, pulled over by the sheriff's department. They said my front right um, headlight was out. It was not. Uh, they asked for my license and registration. I gave it to them. They said, where are you going? Why are you driving through no. this neighborhood? It, and you, uh, knowing you for as long as I have, Mo, you're the calmest guy in the world. I mean, you don't get upset and overreact about anything. I do, but I know when I can and when I cannot. Well, I've, never, I've never seen you do yeah. that. All right, so here is the conversation, a statement that, I, that was made. Mo and I were talking, and we were talking about the police just in general. And I had said, whenever I see a cop, I'm in a restaurant with a police officer or a cop car is passing me by, or I see any group of police officers, I feel safe. I know no one's going to hold me up. I know I'm not going to get into any altercation. I'm just, I feel safe. And then I asked you, Mo, uh, by the way, how do you feel when you see a police officer and you answered, how do I feel? Yeah, remember I asked you what goes through your mind oh, well, when you see a police officer. Well, it depends. Not when I see one. I'm no, saying when, when I'm you're, engaged. Right. With when one. you're engaged with a police officer. If it's a of a traffic stop or they're engaging me, I it's it's of great concern because I don't necessarily know if this is an officer who hasn't already made the assumption that I'm in right. the midst of doing something criminal in nature. So there is a difference, and that's I shouldn't have been stunned, but I was. I mean, obviously, since talking to you and going through this uh, a lot in my mind, uh, unfortunately, there's, there's no surprise anymore. Yeah, but these stories going on in the news, they're not new. They've that's, always been going that's on. That's what I want to talk about in a moment. So uh, here are two guys who are, uh, you know, Mo is, you know, college grad, has a great job, uh, dresses, well, certainly better than I do. You're not in a hoodie or no, any of that. No, my pants are pulled up. I check I all the boxes, as they say. Right, you do. And still... Mo engaging in a police officer looks at it as a potential altercation. And I look at it as just feeling safe. There is a huge difference in the way we deal with life. And, of course, because Mo is African-American and I'm not. So uh, I want to come back, and this is what we're going to talk about, and that is these stories that have come out. Uh, How often does it happen? And what is the big picture here? 
And I'll do that with uh, Mo when we return. KFI AM 640. KFI, handle here on a Monday morning. Uh, Mo Kelly is with us. He's filling in for Wayne Resnick this week, or as long as Wayne is on jury duty. And uh, we're sharing the story about uh, these African-American students and uh, customers wherein white people have called the police because uh, the African-Americans shouldn't be there or they're in the wrong place or they're suspicious. Air quotes. Uh, Yes. Yes. Well, not to them. Uh, I mean, I think these people genuinely think African-Americans are suspicious. Oh, I don't doubt their sincerity. Right. So... Uh, and we were talking about this, saying, boy, there are a lot of cases recently, and there aren't. This is Tuesday for us. And that's what I think people fail to understand. The behavior hasn't changed. Our ability to be able to document it has changed. Social media has changed where if it happens in Alabama, it can be a national story by the end of the day. And, and therefore, we hear about the grandmother who was roughed up by five policemen on video during a, a, a traffic stop. And the question then becomes, are police coming to these situations either expecting an escalation or they're doing something to escalate it on top of, and to and, and out of fairness to police, many times they're responding to a 911 call. And this is not a non-police emergency line. So when they're responding to a 911 call, they are coming expecting some level of, of, of a, a confrontation. Yeah. yeah. And so, so for the most part, you're not blaming uh, the cops or to a lesser extent because they're already predisposed to think there's something going on here and we have to protect the citizenry ourselves, the caller. Right. Kendrick McDade, who died in Pasadena, he died after uh, running from the police, but it was from a bogus 911 call. John Crawford in Ohio at a Walmart, open carry state, someone called the police on him, intentionally lied. You can look it up. Because he was playing with a toy gun in Walmart, and he was shot on sight. So when you call the police 911 because someone looks suspicious, the police come with a different expectation as opposed to a non-emergency hotline. You talked about um, you dealing with the police mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and obviously de-escalating, but that was you de-escalating only because uh, Correct. You're, you're Mo. Uh, you ever been in a situation where, had you not done that, it would it would have gone the other Absolutely. way quickly? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyone who knows me personally knows that I used to be a hothead. There are times where police have pulled me over, and they say, get out of the car, and they'll search the car. They ask, like, do you have any weapons? you have any guns, grenades? It's like I'm leaving a college campus. I was leaving Cal State Dominguez Hills seeing a woman I was dating, and they're asking, what are you doing on campus? I had a fraternity sweater on, Omega Sci-Fi. I'm leaving a college campus. I don't know. What am I doing there? But there are things which may be done and said to see if you're going to respond. I don't respond, but I understand why other people may respond, and then all of a sudden you have a situation. Do you think that there are fewer police officers that even have that mindset today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because of Rodney King in the sense of that was the first one in which we saw on tape and we and I remember African-Americans were saying it's not new with the exception of it being caught on tape. And now that everyone has a video camera, quote unquote, in their hand and you see the, the, the proliferation of these events, I believe that police are more self-aware. I believe training has 
changed and improved, and there are fewer bad apples today than there were 20, 25 years ago. Well, I mean, 25 years ago, when you think about it, uh, well, I mean, going back, it's still, you're not talking about the civil rights era. No, where, I'm just talking about just like since Rodney King. Yeah, since, uh, it's, um, it, it, how many bad apples you think are out there, uh, and do they get away with it? I don't. I don't know if I can quantify. No, but, but in, I, in but your I, opinion, no. I'm, but I'm saying I have enough friends in law enforcement who tell me about the bad apples, and I would say that there's still enough there where that's why we see these stories. Now, I don't want to commingle, conflate the issues. There are people who call police on African Americans because they know that something may happen, and the police are not necessarily going to side with the African American. And there are people who work in law enforcement who have this negative view and then treat us as criminals upon sight. Now, the when you talk about these stories, this is over the course of uh, maybe eight months, and we're talking eight, ten stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, in terms of the big picture, in terms of the confrontation with the police, doesn't seem to be a big number. I mean, this is a lot of publicity. It's a story, like any other story. These got laid. These, they, they, it's like CZ but all Top. These, but all of these had video components attached to them. That's the difference. It's not the complaint. It's just it can be verified. Like, you can talk about um, spousal abuse. You can talk about Ray Rice in the NFL. But everything changed when you saw the video. And the video is what usually moves something to of viral nature because people can see it and emotionally respond to it usually in a visceral manner. And I'm assuming uh, the extrapolation here we have is uh, that management, uh, the police department, uh, is much more aggressive about dealing with these police officers. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're not dealing with the same level of the problem as before. It's better, but it's not resolved. Got it. All right, Mo, thank you. We'll no doubt see you tomorrow. I don't think... uh, I don't know. Depends on what happens with Wayne. uh, Yeah. And he's, I'm sure he's screaming guilty no matter what, even before he walks in. Even as with his history, I thought they would just, you know, wadir, get rid of him. Uh, you would think so, having been yeah. in the federal criminal justice system. All right, uh, Gary. Voluntarily. you got to mention that. He was voluntarily in the federal criminal justice system. Uh, that When you think about that. Yes. Yeah, he was employed. Right. As opposed <laughs> to, yes. He didn't get caught up in it. Yes. Uh, well, we're going to talk about the 52 dead along the Gaza border because the United States opened the embassy in Jerusalem today. Uh, actress Margot Kidder passed away. We just saw that. Oh. She died at the age of 69. So we'll talk a little bit pretty about y- that. Pretty young. Big um, Supreme Court ruling today about yeah. sports betting, which could change the kind of the, the fabric of sports in the United States um, or allow people to make money on it that yeah. they were already making. It's, a, so. it's already a day of mourning in Las Vegas. It, it is. <laughs> They're going to lose a lot of money. And the Golden State Killer was in court. Uh, sorry. The Golden State Killer suspect was in court again today. Oh, you so. can say he's not going to sue you. He might. I no, come on. Just say it. I, when these people are thrown into jail, I just say who they are. I don't even use the word alleged. Bill anymore. Handel called him the Golden State Killer. Yeah, I don't care. You know, and... <laughs> We have deep pockets here. There's we, a, we, we yeah, just, I'll let you sit I just on that talk one. to management and go, here, you deal with it. <laughs> All right, Gary and Shannon coming up right here on KFI. Gary, have a good show. Thank you, sir. This is KFI AM 640.